What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast. This is Clark. And Bobby Jean. So glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. Clark and I are here talking about Luke chapter 3. What stuck out to us, uh, what Holy Spirit kind of lifted, and uh, yeah, what we're learning, too. Mm-hmm. So, Bob, take it away. What? Take lead us off. Take it away. Okay, I will. So, got a genealogy in this chapter. Those are always fun and important, as we've noted in the past. So, that's actually what stuck out to me. So, thank you. Will you please I, pronounce all these names in here? I could try to do that, but we know, it's even from me reading on the podcast before. My favorite name is in verse 36, our facts ad. Verse 36. Yep, that's a good one. The son of Arfaxad. There you go. This poor guy. If you're going to have any more children, you can name him after Arfaxad. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, lots going on. You're, we're talking about John the Baptist. Jesus is baptized. Then we see his genealogy. And then chapter four moves into uh, temptation and beyond. Mm-hmm. And so, so why is the genealogy important, Bob? Well, it's important for a lot of reasons. Uh, I don't know. Why would you say it's important? Do you have something you want to say? No, but you do. Yeah, I do. So we talk about the genealogy and why that's, I mean, that's all over because it's significant looking back Mm -hmm. at, you know, the family really legitimacy of what's here. But also, like I said, is Jesus is about to go into the desert and be tempted and really his ministry is, is about to take off after he's been baptized. And so here we get a look really detailed look at Jesus identity. And I I feel like you lean in sometimes and you want to say something and then you're not saying anything. And so did you want to say something? No, I was trying to be close to you. Oh, okay. Your breath is freaking me out. <laughs> um so yes, that is what because what stuck out to me in reading this is where like we have this huge moment where you know, Jesus shows up and John the Baptist is like, that's him. And then, and he gets baptized and this is a huge moment. And then it's like, okay, by the way, let's reflect on, on all these people's weird names. And it's like, wait, why is that in here? Well, it's in here because before we move into Jesus works and before we move into what he's going to do, let's look at who he is. Let's look at his identity and let's see why this is so significant. And so Luke actually has a really interesting um, way that he lays it out because he is the one actually in his genealogy that he goes all the way back, not just to Abraham, who would have been considered like the father of the Jewish race. But he goes all the way back to Adam and essentially the very beginning, how he is the son of God and how that is a genealogy that is for um, not just Jewish people, but it's for people of all nations, tribes, and tongues. And so that's something really significant. But then even as you, you know, we just spent a lot of time in Exodus And even as you go through this genealogy and read some of the names, you know, the son of Joshua, the son of Levi, the son of Judah, the son, you know, these names, you're remembering, you're remembering who some of these people were, who some of these people were, some of, um, some of their story with the Lord. And it's not a pretty story. No, definitely not. (laughs) Even when you get back to, you know, Noah and then eventually even Abraham, like these, these were disobedient, sinful people that encountered a radical God and his radical love for them and their trajectory was forever changed because of that. And so that that's who Jesus is. That's where he's coming from. And here's the evidence of that in his genealogy. And so that 
yeah, the placement of it, but also just um, um, the truth of it, of this genealogy, that it doesn't just go back to Abraham. It's not just for the select group of people. Um, it's for all time, for everyone. Um, and I think one of the headings is like a son of man or son of man, son of God. Um, and this is just solidifying that identity piece too, that Jesus like being fully human, mm-hmm. uh, and fully divine too. And so that's, that's what stuck out to me actually. Yeah, and I think that's important you say that because at the beginning of the next chapter, when he does go get tempted, Satan attacks his identity. Right. Is what's, is what's yes. attacked. If you're the if, son of God, yeah. if, if, if yeah. you're the son of God. So it's important. Yeah. Jesus knows that. And I love that you have the father, son, and Holy spirit all involved in this chapter Mm -hmm, because what mm -hmm. stuck out to me is actually verse 16 and i'll read verse 15 and 16 it says the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if john might possibly be the christ and john answered them all i baptize you with water but one more powerful than i will come the thongs of whose sandals i am not worthy to untie he will baptize you with the holy spirit and with fire Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'll go verse 17 as well his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So here you have the spirit, hmm. you have the fire. You're about to have the father speaking down from heaven as Christ, the son is baptized and the Holy spirit, like a dove descends upon him. And I guess what sticks out to me is the importance of all three kind of aspects of God, the persons of God, but in this is also the role of the Holy spirit. And so we don't have hmm. to get into like the baptism of the spirit. What is that? What is that not right now? But the Holy Spirit is behind the scenes in all of the scriptures, working mm-hmm. and protecting and fighting for and uh, bringing judgment upon. And so when it comes to this, oftentimes people are asking, like, what exactly is the Spirit doing here? And what's his role for us today? And just a reminder, when you look at Ephesians 2, uh, verses 1 and 4 through 5, it talks about how you and I were dead in our transgressions. We were dead in our sin. But God made us alive in Christ, meaning mm-hmm. he came in and he's the one that resuscitated our dead heart and then gave us a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, 1 Corinthians twelve three talks about how no one can profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior except by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. meaning the Holy Spirit is already at work in your life even before our brain catches up to what he's doing. Amazing. So it's not that, you know, we decide one day, you know what? Right. I'm going to profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in like a vacuum. <laughs> the Holy Spirit gets sucked inside of us. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, and now he's in me. The Holy Spirit's already been working in your heart. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. the other word that comes up in this text in, in Luke 3 is fire. And that's when the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit comes upon the early church in Acts. Yeah, he descends and he floats above their head and it's a tongue of fire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But here it's talking about this sifting and this shifting and this filtering that's going to happen. And that's the work of the Spirit. And so one of the old goody songs that came up in my mind as I was reading this was <laughs> the old refiner's fire. I don't know if it was the 80s or the 90s, but it basically says, Purify my heart and let me be as good as gold as precious and silver. Purify my heart, let me be as gold, pure gold. Refiner's fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy. Set apart for you, Lord, I choose to be holy. Set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. It talks about cleansing me from my sin, being set apart again. And when, he, when John the Baptist is saying, you're going to be baptized with the Spirit and with fire, meaning when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to do a refining work inside of our hearts, mm. saying, hey, no more flesh, that needs to decrease. And the spirit, the Christ in you, needs to grow and increase. 
Hmm. And so it's, it's cool to talk about, but by golly, it sure is difficult because every day you and I are going to have to decide, are we going to go the way of Christ and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to partner with the Holy Spirit and allow him to do this refining work in us and sure. put to death the things that need to go away? Or am I going to fight it and do like what comes natural to me? What feels good to me? Right, right. What brings instant gratification? And so with this comes a psalm that, that kind of comes, comes to my mind, Psalm 66. And it's a hard one to swallow, but it's, one, it's very real. It's our, our reality and our experience. And he mm. says, For you, God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net, and you laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. So when Jesus Christ promises us that life is going to be hard, he meant it. Like life is really hard. But you have his presence, his spirit inside of us, this fire, the spirit that's that's making us, that's refining us, that's molding us to be the men and women that God created us to be. Mm. And if we look back in our life, oftentimes it's been the hardest times of life that have been the most fruitful afterwards. Mm. And And just as I think about that, you think about, you know, the, this pressing, this pressure, the difficulty. But then at the end of that Psalm 66, verses 10 through 12, it mm-hmm. talks about, but then you brought us out of that place to a place of abundance. And so John's giving the people heads up here saying, look, you guys don't know fully what's coming, but he's going to be a great gift. And so mm-hmm. my word to myself and word to you today is just um, every day we got to submit, even every moment. Am I going to go the way of Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to do a refining work in me? Mm. Or am I going to do what makes me feel good? And clearly one's more difficult than the other, but the one that even though it's more difficult, it's more fruitful in the end, life-giving, shaping, and forming. Mm. So I That's guess a it, good word, Clark. That's what I got. Man. <laughs> I, think, I think if more people understood that when they gave their life to Christ, um, we'd have more, uh, a more fruitful church and a more fruitful ministry. What do you mean? Flesh that out. Well, in that, I think when we give our life to Christ, oftentimes it, it can be an emotional experience. And emotions are good, and emotions are one piece of the pie. Because in it, you have logic, you have reason, you have faith, saying, okay, I'm going to pick up my cross and follow Jesus. And that's not that we are supposed to know what that means in its entirety. But quickly the emotion goes away, and by golly, that refining fire can be hard. It can mm-hmm, be difficult. Mm-hmm. But... Again, Jesus promised us that, and we I quickly forget that sometimes. And so John's just giving him a heads up, saying, look, I'm baptizing you, inviting you to this, but the big show is coming soon, the big deal. That's God himself. That's the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. Jesus. And mm-hmm. so um, emotions are good, but they're also playing a role with the rest of the team, which is faith and reason, logic, mm-hmm. and thinking things through. And so, yeah, that that's my word. Thanks for sharing. Awesome, you guys. Thanks for you guys listening. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance toward you and give you his peace. Have a great day.